Thanks for tuning in. This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Outcasting is produced by Media for the Public Good, formerly WDFH, Westchester Public Radio. Non-commercial, non-profit, and volunteer-powered. One of the things that makes a show like Outcasting possible is financial support from listeners like you. Please visit us at mfpg.org and click on Support to make your tax-deductible contribution. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. And now, Outcasting. I think we're progressing. I think that the visibility of trans folks over recent years has increased greatly. And with that, and with positive media representations of trans folks, the general population's understanding of what it means to be trans is growing. This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported independent producer based in New York, online at outcastingmedia.org. Hi, I'm Sam. On this edition of Outcasting, we continue our discussion of some of the issues faced by transgender people in sports. For most people, gender is a simple matter. They are girls or boys or women or men. There's no conflict between the gender they feel they are and the biological sex of their bodies. But that's not true for everyone. Some people who are born into a girl's body feel themselves to be male, and some people born into a boy's body feel themselves to be female. Speaking very broadly, the word transgender has come into common usage to describe a wide range of people whose self-perceived gender doesn't match the sex of their bodies. Most of us have never needed a word to describe our gender identity. We just take it for granted. But just as the visibility of gay and bisexual people has caused other people to start thinking of themselves as heterosexual or straight, the growing visibility of transgender people has brought us the word cisgender to describe people who are not transgender. Most of us, and most of you listening to this program, are probably cisgender. But on this edition of Outcasting, we're talking with Chris Mosier, an athlete who self-identifies as a transgender guy. Chris is a transgender advocate, educator, coach, and three-time Ironman triathlete. He's the founder of transathlete.com, a resource for athletes, coaches, and administrators to foster a community of inclusion. This is the last part in a four-part series. Earlier in the series, Chris talked about going through an identity change with no one to guide him, facing transphobia after being outed, and experiencing his newfound privilege of being a white man. You can listen to this series on our website, outcastingmedia.org. Outcaster Travis now continues our conversation with Chris. Other than transathlete.com, what are the ways you're bringing about change? I'm on the board of directors for a nonprofit organization called Go Athletes, and it is a national network of current and former LGBT student athletes. And it is an excellent way that young athletes can connect to each other uh, and young LGBT athletes have the opportunity to network and provide education, visibility, and support for one another. So that's one of the areas that I'm really excited about doing work because I feel like starting with high school and college athletes, uh, starting the movement there is really going to make change for everyone in the future. Uh, 
another way is just being visible and and being out and open about my story. You know, I understand that because I didn't have the experience of knowing other trans people, I really understand how lonely and isolating it can feel to think that you're the only person going through an experience. And now that I've had that experience and I feel strong enough to share my story with other people, it's really important for me to just continue to do that so that there's never another young trans athlete who feels like they can't compete because they never saw anybody else out there. One thing I, I want to backtrack a little bit. You talked about when you were first trying to learn about what it means to be a trans person, were you looking under the lens of trans athletes or just a trans person? I was definitely looking at both areas and part of it was just understanding in general what it meant to be trans, some of the challenges that I would face and what sort of steps I would need to take to get there. And I did a lot of that work in therapy, actually. I started to see a therapist to talk about gender-specific topics um, maybe two years or a year before I started to transition medically with testosterone. And in that year, all of those conversations that I had were specifically about how I viewed myself, what I was nervous about in transition, and what challenges I perceived would be out there for me. The other piece of that was that being an athlete was so incredibly important to my identity that I wanted to make sure that I would be able to play still or try to figure out what being an athlete would look like as a trans person. So I definitely did research in both areas. I was much more successful in finding the information about being a trans person than I was about being a trans athlete. And now there's transathlete.com for someone searching for that to discover. Let's turn our attention to a documentary you appear in. Just Gender is a film about transgender people, their lives, and the issues they face. It was produced and directed by a filmmaker named George Zuber. George is a gay man, former board member of Lambda Legal, and retired diversity partner at the accounting firm Deloitte. And he found, somewhat to his surprise, that he knew very little about transgender issues. So he decided to make a film to educate himself and others. We at Outcasting have had a chance to see it. Chris, you appear in the film and tell a bit about your story. How did you get involved with Just Gender? I think that George contacted me through some some way, had found me, I think through the New York Times article, and asked if I'd be interested in sharing my story. And I think my lens as an athlete was a unique perspective for for the film. How much has your life changed since you told your story for the camera? It was interesting to recently see the film and see what I had said. And I think the root of my experience is very much the same. And I talk a little bit about challenge of of identifying and how I identify as a trans guy, but don't necessarily identify as F to M. And a lot of that is still the same, but how I am able now to speak about my feelings has, has evolved. So it was interesting to see sort of a, a historical snapshot of myself. And I would say it's very, it's still very accurate. Just maybe a, the language that I would use today to describe my experiences would be a little bit different, perhaps. 
When you do an interview and then see it in the context of the filmmaker's vision, it can be eye-opening in a number of ways. Is there a part of the film that particularly affected you? I was really struck by the opening segment about a trans person telling their story as a young person. And I think we get media snapshots in news stories of what the life of a trans person might be like, but many times that's very negative and it's portrayed in conjunction with some other piece of a news story, like a person was a part of something and they mentioned that that person is trans. And, and very rarely have we seen a, a personal narrative that was that is so powerful from a trans person telling their own story. So there were lots of pieces in the film that I thought were fantastic and they were all the personal stories. You know, I think back to my experience, if I would have seen something like this, I would have understood that there's not just one way to be a trans person and that the trans community itself is so incredibly diverse that you know, having the opportunity to share all these stories, I think is gonna be really helpful for folks who see the film. I was really surprised by the diversity in age and expression in people that were married and then transitioned really late into their life because most of the trans people I know are my age. And to see adults who, who go through this coming out was very surprising for me. Where do you think society is in our acceptance of trans people? I think we're progressing. I think that the visibility of trans folks over recent years has increased greatly. And with that, and with positive media representations of trans folks, the general population's understanding of what it means to be trans is growing. And I feel hopeful every day that every day will be a little better than the last. And that, you know, moving forward, maybe a young person won't have to have the same experiences of discrimination that I faced when I was their age. What achievements are you most proud of? I'm really proud to be the first trans guy or trans man inducted into the National Gay and Lesbian Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, that happened in 2014 in their second induction, and I was the first trans guy to be inducted and for me, it's just a really great achievement because I don't feel like I'm done yet. And usually for, hall, for a Hall of Fame kind of signifies the end of one's career. But I think it, it is a powerful moment for me in terms of visibility to reinforce that idea that maybe young people don't need to live without having a trans athlete role model. And so having that opportunity to be inducted was phenomenal and just with a an amazing group of other lgbt folks who have done so much for the movement for inclusivity and for acceptance of lgbt athletes do you have a trans guy man athlete to use as a ro role model i don't and that was something that i really struggled with when i was you know coming out is that i didn't have that role model to look to. And I had athletic role models. I grew up in Chicago. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. And sort of as everyone was of, of that time period. And I learned a lot of things about character and about 
respect and determination, goal setting, all of these really important values from sports and from athletes that I look to. But in terms of seeing an athlete who reflected my own self, I didn't have that. And so the hope is that now folks who are in my position when I was a kid do have someone that they can look to in, in me and in other trans athletes who are coming out. This is Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, produced by Media for the Public Good in New York, online at outcastingmedia.org. We're talking about the experience of trans athletes with Chris Mosier, a transgender advocate, educator, coach, and three-time Ironman triathlete. He's the founder of transathlete.com, a resource for athletes, coaches, and administrators to foster a community of inclusion. What would you say to youth who feel the way you did growing up? I think it's so important to understand that you know yourself better than anybody else does. And so often society and parents and families and schools tell young people that they don't know themselves. And I think that that is a totally false statement that parents don't know kids better than they know themselves. Um, you know, teachers and administrators don't know what a person really feels like inside. And so for them to understand that it's not okay for other people to negate their identity or to dismiss their feelings about who they know that they really are. And that you can be incredibly happy you know, by following by following that vision of who you know yourself to be. What suggestions do you have for trans people who want to or are active in sports? They should just go for it. I think that policies are changing every day and policies are changing because of a group of strong, confident folks who are pushing for their right to play. And so by taking that first step, by challenging these societal norms that we have in place that say that sports is so incredibly gendered and that there's no room for anyone in between, we're breaking down barriers and changing the landscape of sports as we know it. And those folks are so important in pushing the trans movement forward. How do we play sports without them being gendered? It's a very challenging idea to think about competing in sports in any other way than it being gendered. And part of that is just that that's the way it's always been, that we've known it to be. But we know that there is a variety of strengths and weaknesses that every person has, and that some people are born with different biological advantages than other people, even within the same sex, right? So you can have someone who is a seven-foot NBA player, do they have an advantage over someone of the same sex who is 5'5"? Five, five? You know, for each individual sport, the answer to that varies. And so it's incredibly complex to think about competing in sports in any other way than a gendered way. But with that, we need to consider ways where everyone can, com can 
compete in a way that is safe and comfortable. And part of that is making sure that people can get changed in a private space. And that's not, you know, that's not something that's just specifically for trans people. There are lots of folks who don't feel comfortable in locker room situations. And that's good for all people to make sure that everyone is safe and comfortable. So there are, there are little changes like that that could be made, but I don't really know how we could compete in a different fashion. I disagree with the idea that trans athletes should have to compete against other trans athletes only. That's something that's coming up right now in sports is that certain sports leagues are talking about making a category of competition strictly for trans people and saying that if we have enough trans people who want to participate, we'll make a separate category for them. But I don't think that that is the solution either because we know that the trans experience is different for everyone. And for myself, I just want to compete against other people. I don't need a special category to do that. I want to compete with men. Can you tell us about a specific instance when you faced discrimination within the LGBT community? I was playing in an LGBT bowling league. And I was at the lanes one day for our games. And the lane next to me, I noticed that they had written a slur as their name, a transphobic slur as the name of one of their players. And I wasn't quite sure what to do about it. I was really bothered by it. But I had this moment of being like, I'm the only trans person in here. Am I being too sensitive? And, you know, I think that's a position that trans folks are forced into a lot of, of not being able to stand up for their rights because people tell them that they're being too sensitive or, oh, it was just a joke. And so I saw it flash up on the screen again and walked over to that lane and, and called them out on it and said that I saw that they had this slur written up on their board. And one of them asked me if I wanted to get my photo taken in front of it. And that was kind of a moment where, you know, my whole idea of what it meant to be an inclusive league, what the T actually meant in that situation, kind of blew apart. You know, I thought, here I am in this league that says it's LGBT inclusive. It's really just an LGB league and I'm just there. And, you know, I felt totally unsupported by the rest of the people there. Eventually they took it down and after a conversation with them and I pursued it as a bigger matter with the league to try to work on, you know, a little bit of sensitivity within the league and, and helping folks to understand why behavior like that is not okay. Why? Why, why do you think there's discrimination within the LGBT community when it's understood that there's a clear goal of equality for all. There's no, there's no exceptions to that. There are a lot of similarities in our movement. And I think that it is important for us, the LGBT community to move together as one unit. But there are also a lot of differences in the struggles that we face. And, you know, and just thinking about being an athlete, the challenges that gay and lesbian athletes face in terms of coming out, so say in a professional sports league, their challenges are, will my team accept me? Will my coaches accept me? 
How will the media and the fans react? You know, those are their concerns. And our concerns as trans athletes are not only all of those, but also, will I even be able to play at all? Because the policies and procedures in place are so prohibitive of full inclusion for trans athletes. I think part of the reason that there's discrimination within the community is that some folks feel like they have a pass, that because they are also an oppressed group, that they have the ability to say or uh, reclaim certain language that doesn't really belong to them. And, you know, without understanding how that actually impacts folks who have that identity. We've been talking with Chris Mosier, a transgender athlete. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me. Earlier in this program, Chris talked about the opening sequence in the film Just Gender. Let's listen to an excerpt. I knew there was something that didn't quite match up, that made me feel different from a very early age, but I couldn't yet put words to it. Growing up, people always commented on how long my eyelashes are. They used the word pretty, but I was a boy at the time. My brother teases me even in front of others on the school bus. I don't understand why. Even if nowhere else, I'm supposed to feel safe at home, like other kids, but I don't. My mom is a devout evangelist she comes to me one night with a proposition. Look, she says, either you commit suicide or I'm going to because I can't have a gay child. That's not going to happen in my house. So needless to say, I spend a lot of time outside of my home. I grew up singing in the church. I have a close relationship with God. So why in the world would God give me something that would make the world and my family just turn its back on me? At 17, people started calling me a tranny, but I don't know what that means. Then I meet a trans person for the first time. All of a sudden it clicks, and I know that I'm the same way. That's when I join the military. I go into the Navy thinking it will change me. In the Navy, my one real friend, or so I think, invites me to a party one night. When I come in the room, I hear the door click and lock. And one of the guys says, you're gay, right? He then dangles me by my ankles out of the third story window and my life literally passes before my eyes. And I know then and there, I've got to get out of the Navy and live my life for me. After being discharged, I go home, but that doesn't last. I come home one day with a weave and my mom just pulls on my hair thinking that she'll rip a wig off my head but my hair sewn in. The look on her face when she realized it isn't going to come off, I'll remember to this day. She just says, get out. At 19, I have nowhere to go and I'm introduced into the street life. I just had a certain outlook for my life. It wasn't the street. I began working a sales job going door to door, selling credit card processing to businesses, working strictly on commission working my tail off and it still isn't happening for me. The place where I live, the guy allows me to stay there because I'm cleaning the building and helping out at the bar downstairs until he makes a move on me. When I reject him, 
I'm out of a place to live again. I'm feeling like I can't catch a break. And then someone tells me, hey, there's this woman in South Florida who if you want to, you can go down there and escort and maybe get into the adult industry and pay for your breast implants and other surgeries. I'm 21 and I go to Florida to escort. This is not the life for me. I find myself now with no family, trying to make family on the streets. There are many calls back home crying and pleading for acceptance, but my mom won't budge. I was crying every night and praying to God that I get changed and that I would wake up the next morning in a boy's body. I had no lineage whatsoever. Kids would badmouth, talk nasty, I would spit at. They could look me in the face and say, you're transgender, we don't hire transgender people. What troubled me was the idea that, that I'm living with a person who might possibly end their life because of unhappiness as to who they really are um, physically. Almost 100% of us have contemplated suicide at one time or another. Um, I attempted suicide twice. What a terrible thing to have such guilt about part of oneself that's so essential to them, and that's me. The badly tainted patient is originally psychosexually abnormal in that, in character and in the sexual act, he feels as a female. This abnormal feeling remained purely a psychical anomaly until three years ago, when, to the patient's horror, he felt bodily like a woman. So goes one of the earliest scientific attempts to assess transgender by Richard Kraft Ebing, a world-renowned psychiatrist and pioneer sexologist, in his 1886 book, Psychopathia Sexualis. Over the coming century, researchers, scholars, and psychiatrists have attempted to better understand the nature of transgender people. Media has always portrayed cross-dressers in very negative light. In fact, in the dark, mostly. Alone, isolated, looking bizarre, looking unhealthy, looking like somebody you wouldn't ever want to be near. Those views, combined with ignorance and fear of the different, perpetuated stereotypes and misconceptions about transgender people that continue to this day. The term transgender is a relatively new term, commonly understood to have been first used by Virginia Prince, an early American activist. Today, the term, including its shortened version of trans, is commonly used in exploring the breadth and diversity of people who identify as gender variant. Gender variant people express their gender differently to varying degrees, from culturally conventional roles of men or women based on physical gender. As we will see, the transgender umbrella is wide and diverse. Part of the challenge in understanding the transgender umbrella arises because there is a tendency to believe that all people readily fit into one of two gender groups, male and female. From the earliest moments of birth, we are introduced to this binary view of the world. Increasingly, there is a greater recognition that biology itself defies a strict binary view of nature, including gender-changing animals, fish, and birds. Because transgender people often express themselves in ways that make others uncomfortable, 
they are often met with disapproval or worse. Discomfort with something different leads to stereotypes and misconceptions, and the list of stereotypes and misconceptions about transgender people held by the general population is long. We've been listening to a short excerpt from the film Just Gender, which looks at the realities of transgender lives. It's aimed at schools and corporate diversity programs, among other audiences. The film is available through Kino Lorber Films. This has been the last part of a four-part discussion with triathlete Chris Mosier on the issues that transgender people face in sports. You can listen to the entire series on our website, outcastingmedia.org. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, Public Radio's LGBTQ youth program, where you don't have to be queer to be here. This program has been produced by the Outcasting team, including youth participants Nicole S., Nicole K., Sydney, David, Travis, Andrew, Michael, Jamie, Karen, Marco, Joe, and me, Sam. Our executive producer is Mark Sofis. Outcasting is a production of Media for the Public Good, a listener-supported, independent producer based in New York. More information about Outcasting is available at outcastingmedia.org. You'll find information about the show, listen links for all Outcasting episodes, and the podcast link. Outcasting is also on social media. Connect with us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Outcasting Media. I'm Sam. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this edition of Outcasting, please make a tax-deductible gift to Media for the Public Good. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit mfpg.org and click on Support. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Outcasting Media. Thanks.